The VGRT Gaming Podcast, episode 711, recorded on January 25th, 711th edition of the TD Gaming Podcast and 544th episode of Video Game Roundtable. I'm TJ Denzer. I'm Scott Turk. And I am Jonah Falcon. The VGRT Gaming Podcast focuses on game news from around the industry. Sure. Uh, a lot of stuff has happened, um, especially since I decided to delay this because we didn't have any news. We got some good news waiting a bit. But first, what have you been playing? I will start first. I've started playing Cult of the Lamb again because. Um, some new DLC came out. I decided to buy all the DLC that was available since I last played it. And um, have you played Cult of the Lamb? No, I haven't, but I've seen a lot of it. It's a pretty it, crazy game. It's basically uh, The Binding of Isaac, except with a cult, a cult that you're leading um, as a lamb. It's really good. Um, it was... Uh, Published by Devolver Digital. It came out like two years ago, or 18 months ago, really. It's now under $30 if you want to try and pick it up. It's it's fun. It's offbeat, as most Devolver Digital games are. Um, how about you, uh, TJ? Have you been playing Tekken 8? Yeah, I've been playing the holy heck out of that game. I loved it. It was, uh, it was a fun game to review. I uh, found very little wrong with it. The game opened up today, and uh, there's been a little bit of issue with uh, online matchmaking. Uh, lots of game crashes during matchmaking, but uh, hopefully they'll be able to fix that out soon, and uh, it'll be a rock-solid game. I, uh, it, it is incredible how much they've put into that thing. It's it's a really good offline game. It's a really good single-player game. It's a really good online multiplayer game, as long as they fix the server issues. And uh, other than that, yeah, it was... Uh, it was really fun. It was it was and it's going to be a blast to learn that one and see how I stack up to others. How about you, Scott? What have you been playing? I'm still playing Trials to Reverie, uh, getting a good amount into it. I think I found the uh, you know, I've been doing a lot of the uh, side stories and the little mini games that are in it and just having fun with it. Cool. Um. We're going to go into quick news. Uh, first in the quick news, we're going to talk about the developer direct. Um, did I talk about it afterwards? No, I don't. Okay, so um, first we really got our first look at the new Indiana Jones game that's coming out. It's going to be called Indiana Jones and the Great Circle, um, in which it's, <laughs> they show that um, all these great archaeological circuits form a circle around the globe. And I, I'll say, uh, Troy Baker really is a great voice actor because he does a great impression of Harrison Ford. Yeah, I like it too. I thought it was good. Um, For those who don't know, yeah. Troy Baker has done a lot of things. He was Joel in uh, the, La- the Last of Us. He's Italian in the Shadow of War games. He's been he's been doing a lot of, uh, but I don't. He does. He seems to also do a lot of impressions of actors. I think he did another impression of another uh, another actor in a different game. I'm trying to remember which one it was. Uh, but, uh, it is good voice acting. 
and I think good animation too. The game will have combat, but it does seem to focus more on puzzles, I think one of the uh, devs said. So you can actually stealth through or pass certain combat stuff and just do the puzzles. Yeah, like there was something about the... I know it's machine games, but there was something about the movement and the combat and a lot of stuff in that game. It made me think, like, I would be shocked if we didn't see Arcane Studios somewhere in the credits here, because I got some Dishonored movement vibes. I uh, I got some uh, some uh, Deathloop vibes. I, uh, but it was, like, mostly just, like, in the way that the characters moved, the way they emoted, the way that the combat worked. I think it, uh, I think that they're working on this. I think they have to be so, somewhere in there. Yeah, try he 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 also was the Batman in the uh, Telltale uh, Batman games. Yeah, um, he's also Samuel Drake. I think there's a lot of cinematic moments too happening in the game. I don't know how much of it will be direct control of the combat and how much of it's going to be like you initiate a scene where you see him fight somebody or or you know jump on an airplane thing and. Um, so it'll be interesting to see just how what the level of action is uh, versus what's a, a cinematic scene that you're just watching. Yeah, it, if anything, at the very least, they definitely captured the correct vibe. Like, oh yeah, is, I th- yeah, I definitely got the Indiana Jones vibe. I definitely felt that. I I got um I got Holy Grail vibes from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you saw Marcus Brody there. That was nice to see him. But it's not just that it's it's the uh, it's the theme of the, the the way the game is presented. Um, canonically, it takes place between uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark and uh, and the Holy Grail. But I just you know I don't know maybe it's because uh, she, she or she uh, the uh, woman he's he's working with reminds me so much of Alice of uh, Elsa Schneider. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it uh, like this was the very 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 first look we've actually gotten to take of the game. So like. It's gonna be wild to actually get a look at it once uh once we start to see some more gameplay, some further trailers. I'm really excited to see more. The only thing that bothers me is that it's like okay, the whip is part of Indy's uh you know entire deal, but he uses the whip an awful lot in that game for combat. I mean, he'll all he you really used the whip for in combat was to disarm someone once, and that was about it. <laughs> so um. I, uh... I don't mind that. I, I like it for combat. I think there were some NES games where you did that a lot. We would whip people. Yeah, but I'm talking about the movies. Um, there's going to be a lot. It seems like there's. It's going to take a, a lot of um, a lot of uh, uh, gameplay from Uncharted. Although one can just say that yeah, Nathan Drake is a ripoff of Indiana Jones, so why not? <laughs> yeah. Did you ever play the Indiana Jones game on, I think, PS1, where you had to you had to keep his hat on throughout the level, and if no. you left without it, you uh, got like a penalty? No, no, I haven't played that. I I played uh, Fate of Atlantis and The Last Crusade on PC. I played so The Last for... Crusade too, but it wasn't on PC that I played. It. I think I played it on um, was it the Amiga or? Maybe the Amiga. I, I'm not sure which. I, I did play Fate of Atlantis. That definitely I played on the Commodore 64. Yeah, I really enjoyed Fate of Atlantis. I liked how it had 
three different paths you could do for different gameplay style. I always thought that that was a really good idea. That was one of the first LucasArts games. And they, of course, they used the scum thing that they had with uh, stuff like uh, like uh, Full Throttle. And um, uh, Maniac Mansion. Yeah. You're about to say something, TJ? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, that was to say, like, I hope that uh, I would rather deal with, like, lots and lots of whip combat than deal with that stupid hat mechanic. <laughs> I think. Kind of messed up that whole game. Yeah, I, I agree <laughs> with that totally. Yeah, um, the villain seems interesting. Although you know, when we see him, he already has a broken nose, and Indy just headbutts him again. Mm-hmm. Even though Indy's, uh, Indy's buried in, in deep in the uh, thing. Um, we also saw uh, Seti Wasaga Hellblade Two get a release date. Um, and also now you can pre-download it. It's going to come out on May 21st. It looks really good. I, I I really do like the concept of she's fighting inner demons and also having external stuff going on. So it's a real like struggle to figure out what's real and what's fantasy or, you know, as a delusion. And she does like a real struggle there. Yeah. Um. Is this going to be the first major, major game to be released with the Unreal Engine 5 game uh, engine? It might be. That's a good question. <coughs> I think there's been a couple. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if they're gonna, any of them are, uh, are using the engine to this degree, though, because it, it looks absolutely gorgeous. Would you consider Tekken 8 to be a major game? Yeah, but here's the thing. Tekken 8 is, is more of a, um, a stylized thing. It's not trying to be photorealistic. Uh, That's true. Although, like, the detail that they put into that game, like the musculature, the, even the skin tones and, like, the veins and, and things like that. Is I think the more impressive thing with Tekken 8 is, uh, is how buttery smooth it is, the gameplay. Yeah, and, and it is, like... It's just gorgeous. Like every every angle in that game is just absolutely gorgeous. They uh they did a great job of redesigning all the they had to build every single one of the characters from the ground up again for this game. And uh they did a great job of uh of, of transfer, transferring them all over to this new engine. Yeah. But Ninja Theory looks like they've been really trying to pr- see how much they could do with the Unreal Engine 5 just really push it. Um Another game that, that got a release date, and also a release window anyway, um, is, and we finally got to see more gameplay from it, is uh, Vowed, which of course is taking place in the um, Obsidian's uh, universe of uh, uh, Pillars of Eternity. Yeah. So, um, I know you're looking forward to this one, Scott. Yes, I am. I watched that, and it seems the combat looks interesting where you can duel. Uh, wands and and guns and swords and you do all sorts of different combinations. You're supposed to be able to switch fluidly between your combat uh, setups, so there's probably like a quick button for that. Yeah. Uh, the also, other thing, the other thing that Obsidian mentioned is that um, they're taking, they're looking at Fat Shark and the way they do combat for Vermintide melee combat because they really want to have visceral melee combat uh, combat with this one. And the uh, the character interactions are interesting. They were showing a scene where you are 
doing a quest and you're investigating this person that's uh, accused of uh, cowardice and you get a choice whether to, uh, I guess, fight him, accuse him of, of being a coward or, you know, let him go. And then that would uh, have consequences in the next area or when you go back to town. Oh. So, the, you know, it'll be interesting to see. Cause well, and, uh, we know Obsidian content. loves to do that. Obsidian yeah. loves to do that. Um, that is true. Just look at the new Fallout New Vegas, for one. And also the um, the Pillars of Eternity game, too. Yes, they did that a lot. Because I remember in Pillars 1, there's this duke pretty early in the game that you can confront. And you can either kill him or uh, let, him, let him live. And... Like hours later into the game, you'll come back to that place and there'll be consequences. Uh, you know, you, you know, something will happen either way, you know, that you have to now deal with. Uh, if you kill them or let them live, then, you know, so there's, uh, yeah, there's the, the pillars is definitely, or sorry, Obsidian is really good with having, um, character, you know, choice consequences happening and being, um, a value that's a you know, impact on the story. You, know, you can have like a different path in the story if you do different choices. Yeah, it looks like they're also using the same color scheme that they did for the Outer Worlds, too. Um, I think it, it does remind me of the Pillars color scheme. I, uh, they have a, a um, I forgot the base that is, the, the, the Hour or something, where they have these jagged teeth and, you know, these the, the different look. And, another uh, uh, yeah, another theme is that um, if you look, a lot of them have been infected with some sort of fungus, a lot of the creatures. Yeah. And they said that was going to be a major plot point uh, in the game. It's coming out in fall 20, 40, uh, 2024, which people basically guessed. So. I, I think I do remember um, it's, the, it's the Living Lands, and from what I remember one character coming from there, it's a very different and alien place compared to the rest of the Aurea that you're you're used to, the more typical European middle middle evil area. This is more like wild and um, untamed, I guess. And also, the land is not going to be big. It's going to actually be relatively small compared to games like Elder Scrolls. They they want to make it more dense rather than wide. You know, so there's going to be a lot more for you to do and a lot more things to happen in a smaller area than. And normal, so it's like it's not going to be like Elder Scrolls in which you just wander all over the place and nothing really happens. In this one, it's more like you're just going to find things almost immediately. It's going to be more um, The Witcher in that regard. Yeah, I think it's called open zone kind of game where you you know you have zone one, zone two, and you travel from one to the next. So I think that'll be interesting. I think a nice uh, focus story is good. Okay. They had a surprise uh, O game over you, and that's for Visions of Mana. We knew it was coming to the Xbox, so like a couple of weeks ago, uh, it's coming to PC and PlayStation 2, But we got to see some actual gameplay from it, which is going to use real-time action combat. Yeah, I noticed they uh, did this uh, aerial jump where he jumps up in the air and then goes forward a little bit, you know, like dashes in the air. So I thought that was an interesting attack. And um, I think yeah, you have multiple characters with you so you could probably switch between them since this is an action game that'll be interesting to see tj what did you think of visions of mana i'm really excited for that game i love the mana series 
I think it's very cartoony compared to a lot of JRPG stuff. But Isn't this it's the first one in a while? It's like, I don't think the, uh, there's been a Mana game in like 10 years or something like that. There was a remake a few years ago called Trials of Mana, which was a remake of, of, of Secret of Mana 3. And apparently um, that did so well that it, that it got approval from Square to make Visions, which is really good. I loved Trials of Mana. It was awesome. It was really, really like I've played the original. I played it with a with a translator mod way, way back because that version never came stateside. But uh, it was really fun, and the way that they redesigned the whole thing in 3D was was well done. They did a really good job with like really colorful and lush cell shaded design on it, and uh, it was it was a blast. And so to see them continue on that and do this Visions of Mana thing, I'm really excited for that game. Yeah. And finally, Our History Untold. Um, it's interesting. I had the impression that it was going to be sort of like Civilization uh, meets the, um, you know, the Creative Assembly games. Like, uh, uh, you know, um, Jesus Christ like Age of Rome and stuff like that. No, apparently it's going to be Civilization meets Crusader Kings, which is really interesting. They're going for more of a um, uh, a grand strategy game rather than a 4X strategy game, which is really, really interesting. I also heard that it has a, uh, I guess I call it a, a mercy system, or you, if you're losing, you'll lose early kind of thing to save you time, so you don't have to play 20 hours to find out that you, 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 it's unwinnable. Yeah. Uh, but the graphics look great and the leaders are interesting um and i like the combat you, you could see like an army it looks like armies are fighting each other which yeah. is a, really fun that's a, a big selling point yeah so what happens is when you combat it goes into a special screen and it just goes into real-time combat sort of real-time combat i think the last time i've seen that was like call to power i think it was I haven't um, played Call of Power in a very long time. That was, uh, yeah, for those who don't know, that was um, Activision's take on Civilization when they retained part of the, uh, they had part of the, of the uh, uh, license. So what they did with their license is like split into two. You know, first you had the the regular for access Civilization games, and then you had Activision's uh, Call to Power games, which is basically Civilization. Uh, the second game was called Call to Power Two without the Civilization in the title. Had some weird units like eco terrorists and lawyers and stuff like that. Yeah, that was an odd game, but it did have that like zoomed in battlefield where you have many units attacking each other, and I think that really is a a, a really fun feel when you're having war units and it's not just one little tiny guys. You you see like a whole massive army taking to the field. Oh, I mean, this this looks like a good game. I think uh, they've done a lot of work on it. They uh, yeah, they talked about having all the different musical uh, instruments for each culture, so it's you know it's very unique to the to those instruments in that area. I, I think that was an interesting uh, on that as well. Yeah. Uh, moving on, uh, Robo- RoboCop Rogue City gets a new game plus and harder difficulty in the latest update. Players can now run Rogue City back with all of their upgrades and skills intact and take on deadlier challenges in the There Will Be Trouble difficulty. I still haven't played Rogue uh, Rogue City yet, have you? I have not. 
I haven't had a chance to jump into it, but a bunch of my friends that are, uh, that have played it have said that like it's probably one of the best, most schlocky shooters that they've played in a while. Wow. Like it really is like a power fantasy. You do feel like RoboCop in that game, right up to the fact that he's just like he moves like a like a a really stiff brick shit house. <laughs> like you move really slow, but you just demolish everything that comes near you. And uh, that's that's rad about it. Like they had, they, you know, the funny thing is that Paul Werhoven, what's it called? People didn't seem to understand that Paul Werhoven was saying this is a bad idea. <laughs> you know, this is a bad uh, RoboCop is a bad idea. It was uh, yeah, but like but, like um like uh you know like oh Jesus the other movie um like Star, uh, Starship Troopers. People didn't seem to get the irony in RoboCop. They they took it yeah. at face value. Yeah, but the idea here is like, it, do you want to be? Do you want to feel like RoboCop? Because the game makes you feel like RoboCop in every way. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he like it's ridiculous just how well they did on like making this this '80s movie feel like a solid first person shooter in 2023. I think people still have a bad taste in their mouth over the RoboCop reboot movie. The funny thing is, if they just called that movie, you know, like Machine Cop or something that wasn't RoboCop, people would have enjoyed it more. Anyways, um, Like a Dragon, uh, speaking of new Game Plus, uh, Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth's new Game Plus is locked behind $15 DLC. Team's player will have to at least get the Deluxe Edition or pick up the Master Vacation Bundle later to access new Game Plus and Infinite Wealth, which is a, a frightening little move by, uh, by say, is it Sega who does the Yakuza series? Yeah, Sega, right? Yeah, I, I know people don't like seeing games cut up like this, and you know you you can't just buy the base game, you know, buy the complete old game all all together. You have to have it all piecemealed, and it gets more expensive that way. Um, I guess it's good that it's not just New Game Plus; it's it's bundled. It seems like with the Lux Edition or at least the Master Vacation Bundle. So you can't do New Game Plus unless you have the, like, complete game, which, is, of course, is the complaint that it's not a complete game. So, uh, it, yeah, it's an unfortunate thing that they've done. It's unfortunate here. because uh, a lot of people like Ichiban. He's mm. a really great character. And, um, you know, this direction, you know, <laughs> we talk about Final Fantasy going in a uh, in a real-time, in the real-time mode, uh this uh, this uh, part of Yakuza is going in the opposite direction. It's going back to turn based, so it's more like uh, Dragon Quest, and it's really fun. And it's really it doesn't take itself well. None of the Yakuza games took themselves seriously, but this one really doesn't take itself seriously. Uh, furthermore, uh, additional co- okay, so <laughs> this one TJ snarked about additional content for F zero ninety nine is now available for hashtag Nintendo Switch Online members which has a great edition of Secret Tracks and Private Lobbies. Go ahead, TJ. Why don't you snark on this one? That's really stupid. (laughs) (laughs) New Game Plus is something you earn by reading the game. It's not something that you should charge people for as D. Wait, we're, we're, I'm talking about, I'm talking about additional content. Well, if you want to talk about like a dragon, go ahead. But uh, why would they build it? And it's such a, like it by all, accounts it's such a good game everybody that i've talked that i've seen loves this game and then they've built up such goodwill over the course of a long time with the yakuza series 
Like, for the longest time, Ryuga Gotoku Studio was Sega's studio that could do literally no wrong. And now they're making New Game Plus. Oh, You're making it sound like the developers are, are behind this. The developers aren't. I'm, I'm pretty sure the developers are not behind it. Uh, it's certainly a black eye either way, unfortunately. Yeah, it's really dumb. Like, whoever's fault this is, it's really dumb. Right. So, Have you ever seen New Game Plus as, DLC, as paid DLC in any other game? I think so. A long time ago, but it's not not so brazenly. Yeah, usually it's cosmetic stuff. Well, not, no, not that it's cosmetic stuff. It's Actual New Game Plus. for them, yeah. too. I don't know. Sega's, well, you know, maybe Sega Sega's wants to get into uh, AI. Maybe this is part of their AI plans. I don't know. Um, so this next one is from a Twitter post that you that you did. Additional content for F-Zero 99 is now available for Nintendo Switch Online members, including secret tracks and private lobbies. Yeah, you had some words to say about this one, JJ. <laughs> Uh, F Zero. Yeah. Now that now that's like awesome. Yeah. I love. I already love F Zero ninety nine. It's a great game. It's really fun, and it's like surprisingly a great way to bring back F Zero in general. I By the way, this is part of this is part of a series. Um, for those who don't know, the ninety nine series is basically a um, battle royale mode for a lot of older games. We have Pac Man ninety nine, in which pe- ninety nine people are playing Pac Man, and you know, last one surviving wins. Yeah. And uh, like a de- like F Zero has been a great format for the for this uh, style of game because like it's a death race it's a it's a fight to survive to the end and then try to win like it's really hard but like it's really fun and really satisfying to play and the private lobbies this is one thing that's like that that's one of the few things that the game didn't have in the first place that a lot of people wished it did. Cause like, I would love to play this game in a, in a private lobby with some of my buddies and just like practice up and have fun or, or just have ourselves a good old time. Hey, can, you you <laughs> can you get 99 buddies? Can you get 99 buddies? The fun thing about it is like, in, just like in the past with like uh, Pac-Man 99 um, and Tetris 99, when you don't have when you uh it's basically you and your buddies pick up the slot the live slots where you can and then everybody else is played by bots yeah. which isn't such a bad thing you're still playing against 99 cars but uh but your buds are in there yeah we're gonna move on to game news um this is the major news that came up today which uh thankfully i i i, I waited before doing it because last night i decided you know, let's wait for better some better news i got some better news and this one's pretty major Apple will soon permit Game Pass-style game streaming apps on its App Store. And this comes from Eurogamer. Uh, with the new EU rules designed to quash any competitive pro- practices among tech giants are looming, Apple has announced that it will soon be permitting Game Pass-style streaming games. No, 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 no. It's not that they'll be permitting. It's that they're forced to, to allow. And apps will provide access to mini games and apps onto its App Store. Uh, mini apps and games? Game Passes? Oh, never mind. Um... As per Apple's new guidelines, which will come into effect worldwide today, uh, today being uh, January 25th, uh, developers can now submit a single host app for distribution on the App Store that provides a, access to a catalog of streaming games, mini games, mini apps, chat bots, and plugins. Apple says developers can now incorporate its in-app purchase system into the new style apps to offer uh, users paid digital content or services such as a su- subscription to an individual chat bot. Oh, dear. 
Um, I know these kind of individual chatbots. Uh, they're just sex chatbots. <laughs> it's also confirmed in a response to a query from Eurogamer that its existing app uh, store terms, including the commission in which it currently charges developers a 30% fee for paid apps and in-app purchases, will apply to the mini-apps, ga- uh, mini-games, subscriptions, and all other digital goods and services sold via the new host apps. Apple has that the host apps must adhere to, quote-unquote, all app store review guidelines, and must maintain an age rating based on the highest age rate content uh, contained within. Microsoft has already confirmed it's looking to take advantage of the EU's new rules by implementing its own app store. Uh, notably, the company's attempt to put Project xCloud on iOS uh, way back when, um, which would have given people a catalog of the Game Pass games where streaming was blocked by Apple in 2020. At the time, Apple insisted the kind of catalog app that Microsoft was trying to submit, and which is now forced to permit, was inappropriate as all games must be uh, submitted individually for you to ensure that the app store remained, quote-unquote, a safe and trusted place for consumers. Although I will say, you know, with some of the Xbox Live chatter, I, I would imagine, I, I would I would understand why they want that. But many suggested the complexity of taking its cut from all these, all kinds of inc- all-inclusive apps likely influenced Apple's decision at the time. Other companies, most like, uh, likely including Epic Games, which has been a vocal critic of the Apple's app store rules in the past few years, will no doubt have their own external app store plans in the works ahead of the EU's new rules. So yeah, this is major. Uh, for a long time, you could play um, Game Pass on your Android phone, you know, because Google had no problem with it. Uh, now, iOS uh, users will finally be able to do Game Pass and other stuff like that. And I'm wondering, uh, because here's the thing, they already had, Apple had their own version of Game Pass, and it was, um, you know, Apple Arcade. So, uh, hey, iOS players, now you can play Game Pass on your on your cell phone, too. Yeah, this feels like it was specifically made for the idea that the Apple Vision Pro is coming out. Like, I can't think of any, I guess they could have been working on this for a minute or two, but like. Well, for their own, for their own, for their own uh, uh, device, yeah. Yeah. The timing of it alongside Apple Vision Pro feels like it was on, like this whole deal was made specifically to assist the Apple Vision Pro. Because I, because, you know, we haven't heard about on the Apple Vision Pro very much is we haven't heard a lot about the apps that are going to be on it. And Apple really hasn't said anything about like, we don't know if there's going to be like a killer app on Apple Vision Pro right now. So the idea of being able to access all these different services on it, that sounds appealing a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, I do a lot of I, I whenever I'm in bed, I I do a uh, game pass on my cell phone because it's easy and, you know, it's fun. Sort of like the reason why you guys are doing, you know, your Apple, I mean not your Apple, your Steam uh your Steam controller and in some cases, the switch controller in your bed, so you don't have to get up and do stuff. Yeah, the Steam Deck is great for that. Do you play Civilization on your Steam Deck? Uh, probably not Civilization, but uh, other games, yeah. Oh, yeah, Trials of whatever. whatever. Yeah, the Trials games work great. Uh, go ahead, Scott, with the next item. All right. How World just sold 4 million copies in three days. This is from PC Gamer. How World is already fill, sorry. How World is already the fifth most played game in Steam's history by concurrent players just three days after launch. I think it's actually might be even higher than that now. 
2,000 more Pal Worlders are at peak hours, and it'll beat unseat Dota 2, while recent AAA heavy hitters like Hogwarts Legacy or my beloved uh, Baldur's Gate 3 uh, and Elden Ring trail far behind. What's more, this is just an early access launch, and many Steam games don't hit a concurrent peak until the second or third weekend after releasing. Whether Pal World keeps up that momentum remains to be seen. I think so far it has been. Uh, sales well, they meant well, they meant uh, when they meant uh, when it, it actually releases because it's still in early yeah. access. Uh, Sales-wise, they are printing money over at developer publisher Pocket Pair. This is this morning. The game's official Twitter account real. Pal World has surpassed 4 million copies sold, which is insane for two quick points of reference. Beloved cult classic Nier Automa hit 7.5 million copies sold last April after six years on the market, while Cyberpunk 2077's lauded expansion Phantom Liberty crossed the 5 million mark just this month. So there's also a lot going on now with Nintendo because someone someone did a mod so you could have uh, Pikachu in, in the game. That was quickly taken down. Yeah, that was down within less than 24 hours. He made a video about how quick it, it went. It went down, and yeah. he, he even expected it to happen. So I'm not sure why he bothered. Cause now he has so a- he can make a video about it. You you have you have you have you just shoot um you know Pikachu being in your in your game for a bit. You make millions of hits on your on your video. Um, that video got taken away, so now those hits are gone. Well, he still got the money for it. So. Yeah, I guess. Um. I so here's the thing about the the Steam version is a much more advanced version of the early access on uh, Windows on Windows Store and on Xbox um, it's a earlier version because um, it has still has to pass certification so they have for Xbox and and Windows PC gamers they have to wait for the certification to pass um, I was I played a little bit and it struck me oh. Okay, I know exactly what this is now. This is Ark Survival Evolved, except instead of dinosaurs, you have Pokemon. Mm-hmm. It's it's exactly like Ark Survival Evolved. Yeah, and it's worth noting that like in the few days that have passed since that four million mark, this game has actually hit eight million. Right. So like, screw you, Phantom Deliberty. Screw you, <laughs> Near Automata. Oh. They uh they have they've caught. They caught lightning in a bottle. Like, I guess I'll say that much. And like, I hope Game Freak and Nintendo are noticing. <laughs> they are. And I don't mean in a legal way. They're looking at each and every pal to make sure they're not, you know, they're not a Pokemon. No, I mean in the fact that hey, look, someone actually took great care to make animation and gameplay improvements, and people actually like it. Imagine that. Like, imagine people are tired of the stale Pokemon gameplay over and over and over. And we know that that Game Freak and, and, and Nintendo are, are, and the Pokemon company uh, are well aware, are, are basically doing the, well, we're just going to wait for Pokemon fans to age out and just get new Pokemon fans, younger Pokemon fans. They seem to forget that there are Pokemon fans who are getting older but wanted a much more advanced game, you know. I mean, it's making news. Oh, these are Pokemon with guns, and you know, you can actually—they found out. People found out that you can do the same thing to humans as you could do uh, with the with the uh, pals, so you can get really dark if you want to. But it's like they, the the Pokemon fans who grow up want this. They don't want you know 
10-year-old graphics. You know, the 3D models of the latest one were so bad because they know that Nintendo only cares about merchandising. You know, those those Pokemon yeah. are built to sell plushies. That's why you might notice a lot of the new Pokemon in recent Pokemon games are a lot rounder and softer. Do you know why? Because they're plushies. You know, if you remember the early Pokemon games, there was a lot of Pokemon with jagged edges. You know, let's like Pikachu. Pikachu is all jagged edges in the in the first few Pokemon games, especially his tail, you know, which is a lightning bolt. Now everything's soft and round. You know, the people don't want that. People, people, and even if even if they want the regular old Pokemon gameplay, they also want the graphics that are being shown in Pal World. Yeah, I actually saw a meme where someone had a shot at the Pal World and said, "When you make a game, and then there's a shoddy." A uh, copy of it, and they showed a picture of Pokemon below it. Yeah. I think one of the things that helps Pal World is that it's not like people people want to compare it to Pokemon because, of course, there's the little pal guy, the little pals. They, the little pals look a lot like. I mean, you know, I mean, but it takes a but it takes a lot of elements from a lot of different things and doesn't play like Pokemon. Yes, even the mostly Arc Survival Evolved. <laughs> yeah, it's a survival game. Because the first thing you do, what are you doing? You're running around grabbing, grabbing rocks and 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 wood to build your uh, to build your workbench, and you have to do all this other stuff. It's very even the fact that you you start almost naked is is very uh, Ark Survival evolved. One of the things I noted is that um, the male character has some very womanly hips. They they didn't really do much. Uh, they did a lot with the pals. They didn't really do much for the player character, as much for the player character. I think that'll improve. But it, I just found it amusing that if you look at them from behind, you'll say you'll think, "Oh, my female character's topless." Oh no, no, wait, that's a guy. Yeah, it's a it's a very um, it's a game. <laughs> <laughs> it's a game of time. It's still even in its early access, and there's a lot of stuff that's going to be added. It's still pretty deep, you know, as most uh, survival games are. Yeah, it's. Uh, I've 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 heard I've heard mixed things about the gameplay. I've heard some folks say they're really enjoying it and love it. I've heard other folks say that it's jank and very rough. Well, of course, it's as, jank. It's early access. It's very early access. Yeah. But we're talking like one of the bugs that people have been running it. There have been a couple bugs where like characters got deleted that made people super salty um there was a bug where one of the stats you increase could mess up your character progression for the rest of the game um you have to tell these people don't get too attached to a character you have in early access yeah especially in early access on a game that just entered early access last week this is early access you have to people have to understand this is not a release even though you paid for it you know you just did a pre-order and now you're getting to Still, you know, and you have to keep in mind, um, sold eight million, and that doesn't include all the people who are on Game Pass who got to play it for free. And people on Game Pass are enjoying it as well, even though they're a little salty that the version they have is a little behind the Steam version. They have to understand that Microsoft is very strict about their certification, so they're just gonna have to wait a bit. Everybody will get the same uh, when it's all over. Everybody will have the same pal world. But yeah, I, I think there's a thunder strike and uh, a challenge in front of Nintendo. Because now this is like going to Nintendo and, and saying, okay, we can do this. What can you do with Pokemon now? And the thing is that um, when I got tired of Pokemon 
on my on my Nintendo uh, at the time it was the game the Game Advance. Uh, um, they had Enixes in this again. This is before Square Enix merged. Uh, they had Enixes Dragon Warrior Monster Ranchers, which took what Pokemon did and just went light years behind uh, beyond it. And I don't understand why Square Enix never took advantage of that. Because they're making Dragon Warrior games or Dragon Quest games. Why? I, when are they gonna? Are they scared Nintendo? They don't want to do another uh, Dragon War uh, Dragon Warriors Monsters game. I don't know. Have you ever played Dragon Warrior Monsters games? Well, they did do yeah. one recently. They did. I don't I remember it. Yeah, I thought it just came out like this year or something. Yeah, it, that tells you how much mind space it has. Maybe they maybe they should be more brazen about being an, an alternate Pokemon. Yeah. Because you know you could breed uh, different types of uh, of their version of Pokemon, their monsters, and get different monsters that way. And that's how another way you could ca- catch them all. I hope Power World just opened up the door for a lot more um, you know Tamagotchi tile type games. DJ? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem like it's going to slow down any, anytime soon in any case. Like, at the very least, this game seems like it's going to be on our radar for probably most, uh, at least a couple more months. I don't know. We've seen trends sort of peter out. Where, like, yeah, Fall I was about Guys to say, don't, the- don't, don't screw this up, Pocket Pair. <laughs> Fall Guys was the hottest thing for a while, and then it kind of fell off the face of the earth. Among Us still has a pretty good following. Um... No, I'm, I'm thinking of those, those early access games which strike with a lightning bolt and then just sort of fade away, and by the time it's released, no one cares anymore. Valheim had a pretty good run. Valheim still has has, has a base. I mean, it's it's yeah. not as much in the mind space, but people still play it. We're going to move on to the next item. Go ahead, TJ. Horizon Forbidden West announces March release date on PC from PC Gamer. Horizon Forbidden West has committed to a solid launch date for its PC release. It'll arrive on our shores on March 21st, says Port Studio Nixus. Forbidden West is a sequel to Horizon Zero Dawn, which hit PC back in 2020, and continues Alloy's adventures in the robo-dino-riddled post-apocalypse future. The version that's set for release in March is the complete edition, which comes with all sorts of bonuses, add-ons, doodads, and gugaws. Uh, the most notable of those add-ons is the Burning Shores expansion, which bolts a whole new area onto the game and a new storyline to go with it. Nixus par- promise- is promising a bunch of PC-specific technical goodies for this version of the game, too. We're talking unlocked frame rates, DLSS 3, alongside AMD FSR and Intel XESS, DLAA, for those of you who can handle it, and direct storage for PS5-style ultra-fast load times. It'll even support up to 48.9 resolutions and triple monitor setups for anyone who happens to be playing on the Las Vegas Sphere. You can find Horizon West over on the Steam and the Epic Game Store. Yeah, by the way, uh, just a little warning. Nixus is also the ones that were... They do a lot of ports of these games, but they also did the really bad uh, Last of Us port for PC as well. Though their other stuff has been pretty good, so maybe that's been just an exception to what they uh, to their work. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, too, because I guess it was a different studio that handled the port of, 20, of, uh, of for Horizon, Forbidden, or Horizon Zero Dawn. That one was a rough one. 
when it started. I I think it might be better now, but when it first hit, it was it was uh, not optimized. And um, yeah, I'm, so I'm glad that Microsoft showed that um, you know releasing your games on Steam makes you money because Sony wants to get in on that action. They're not going to go quite the Microsoft uh, thing of releasing their games also day one on Steam too. But PC gamers, you know, they're, they're getting, you know, they're, they're relieved that Microsoft showed that they're not a real part of the console wars. And, you know, it's okay to release your game on PC at some point so that PC gamers can play it too. So Sony no longer views the PC market as competition. It'll uh, it'll be interesting to see if this one hits like the way that some of the others have. I know the spy, they, Nexus handled the Spider-Man, Spider-Man has been, before. yeah, the Spider-Man games have been really well done. Yeah. But it also might be like an engine thing, because because uh, I think Horizon is on different engines than a lot of the other PlayStation. They use the Desma engine. I wonder if there was like proprietary thing. I wonder if maybe they rebuilt it a bit. But I also kind of wonder if that's a factor in making these ports work, because mm. uh, I don't think uh, I don't think Spider-Man is on the Desma engine. Yeah. So you played the uh, the original Forbidden West on PS PlayStation, right? Yeah, I love that game. I love both the Horizon games. They're very they're probably my favorite open world games just because of how interesting the world itself is. Oh dear boy, you haven't played the Middle Earth games, have you? <laughs> I mean, either way, the, the running around in a dinosaur robot ridden like apocalypse world that is like dead except for these robots and like the remnants of civilization. See, here's the thing. Uh, with, with with the Horizon games, it's like let's have uh, robo robotic dinosaurs and just build a game around that. You know, um, with the Middle Earth games, it's like they 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 comes from a place because there's a lot of just strange story beats in in the Horizon games that make, just make no sense whatsoever. Like some of the motivations make no sense. It's just the game is is basically that game of yeah we have robot dinosaurs let's find a way to use them in some uh, somehow. That isn't bad from a gameplay standpoint. Yeah, and they also added a bunch of more cre- uh, machines to make the thing more interesting. Because, like, one of the things that was already always interesting about Horizon is that uh, the amount of tools that you have to take down enemies. Like, between direct bows, like, bomb lobbers, tripwire, uh, buzzsaw cutters, there's a... Uh, there's a straight up like javelin that has an explosive on the back. You know of it. what? It just remind, you know I just realized. You know it is. This game isn't too far away from Monster Hunter. I mean, if you wanted to turn the Horizon series into just basically Monster Hunter, you, that that wouldn't. I, I don't think players would be disappointed. Yes, because also like there's a there's a certain point at which you can begin taming some of the machines and turning them into your mounts. I managed to get my hands on a really, really strong fire velociraptor type thing that, like, it shoots, like, plumes of fire out of its tail. And also, like, it just hits like a hoss. Yeah. I uh, I love that thing. I, I took it with me wherever I went. And if I and if it ever died, I would reload the save because I couldn't bear the thought of going on without it. it Man, my you, bestest friend. You must have loved Far Cry Primal. <laughs> <laughs> 
I might have, but it didn't have a lot of robot di- uh, robot velociraptors. No, all it had was all it has was saber tooth tigers and and uh, and uh, mammoths. So. Yeah. Moving on. Oh, you wanted to say something, Scott? It's still pretty cool to have uh, saber tooth tigers and mammoths. Yeah. yeah. But they're not robots. See, that's the problem. No. Yeah. <laughs> There's also robot saber tooth tigers and robot mammoths. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dragon Dogma, Dragon's Dogma 2 director wants players to avoid tra- fast travel. This comes from Eurogamer. Dragon's Dogma 2 director Hideki Itsuno has weighed in on fast travel in video games. His thoughts? Playing the traditional, quote-unquote, long way itself isn't boring. It's more about whether the game you are playing is interesting enough to keep you entertained while you travel. He said, travel is boring. That's not true. The only It's only an issue because your game is boring. All you have to do is make travel fun, he told IGN. Much like the first game in the Dragon's Dogma series, uh, developer Capcom has in, included pricey fairy stones in its sequel, which will allow players to hop around the map to, to designated areas with port crystals. Additionally, this time around, the uh, developers also added ox carts as a means to get around the map. So the ox carts are sort of like um, riding around in taxis in GTA. And if you want, you can actually... You know, when you when you have when you're in a taxi, you say, you know, I'm not going to skip ahead. I'm just going to stay in the taxi. Uh, these cars will allow tra- travel players to travel along a specific route, but with potential ambushes along the way. It soon as that the game didn't want to make a quote unquote simple ma- method of safe transportation in Dragon's Dogma 2, but rather use these ox carts as a way to enhance a player's experience within the world. Uh, Dragon's Dogma 2 will release for 70 bucks on PC, uh, PlayStation 5, and Xbox Series SX, and when it releases in March. Um, you were a fan of the original Do- Dragon's Dogma, weren't you? And also, they had the uh, the special edition too. Dragon's Dogma was that thing where I—I've I, said it before—I never got to uh, get in on it when the when it was hot. I—I kind of came along when uh, everybody had already played their way through it and everything was already like figured out. And to a certain extent, that matters in that game because when you make when uh, yeah. the, the pawn system, your pawns travel to other people's games on the on the network and they learn stuff from other people's uh adventures so when they come back to your game and join in your adventures they might give you hints or have a better idea on how to handle like boss fights or certain quests or like clues for like figuring certain riddles out and i guess i kind of hated the fact that when i played the game Every pawn that came to my game already knew everything they needed to do, and, and there was nothing for my pawn to learn. Aw, poor pawn. Yeah, so, like, I'm excited to be in on the ground floor of Dragon's Dogma 2, because I really want to see what that game, what that experience is like when everybody starts out with a fresh slate. You know, it's just, it would be so easy just to have, you know, bots come into your, uh, you know, if, if, you, if you want... The uh, the pawns to be basically on the same level. There should be a toggle that allows you to say, okay, I want the pawn to know this much, not not everything. Mm-hmm. It should it should be easy enough for that. And basically, you know, uh, if your pawn if if the game detects that your pawn isn't being used by anybody, it'll just pretend it was used by somebody and come back with one or two tidbits of knowledge. And that shouldn't be too difficult to do. Yeah. I don't know, but like either way, I'm excited for this next one because everybody will everybody will be on the same level. We'll uh, we'll all experience it together and we'll figure out how it works. Yeah. So um, this 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 news item is pretty old now, but um, it does relate to some stuff that's also going on. Riot Games laid off 11 percent of its staff. Um, 
that was like uh, for, uh, before they had cut 46 jobs. Now they cut uh, about 11 percent, which is uh, 530 uh, staff. Uh, Microsoft announced today uh, it was announced today it cut off cut something like 1600 of their staff. And uh, which, by the way, isn't that unusual when two large companies merge? There's usually a lot of redundancies and people have to be laid off. Uh, but there's been a lot of layoffs lately. Uh, Google and Discord and Twitch have also been cutting staff. Um, it's part of the recession, I believe. And it's sad to hear. Uh, un- it does allow, you know, but um, one of the unfortunate things about it is that the Riot Forge is ending now. Um, which was part of the Bandeltale a League of Legends story. And yeah. now Legends of Runeterra, they're it's gonna take longer to make. Microsoft also laid off about one point nine thousand people as well I just said across that. there. Oh, I just said I that. you're still talking about Riot. No, no, I, I it's been happening to a lot of companies lately. Uh Microsoft fired, you know, almost two thousand people. Google, Discord and Twitch have also have done layoffs. In Microsoft's case, it's kind of yeah. Two large co- uh, when two large companies merge, it's like you know there's redundant staff and you have to you have to make decisions. It's sad, you know, and the, the job market isn't exactly hot right now in the video game industry. Yeah, that's a real shame about Riot Forge too, because those were a lot of cool and interesting ideas that would like they weren't AAA games, but they were like fun interesting like spinoffs of characters that people enjoyed in different settings and different game genres uh the uh convergence one that starred echo that had that was like a metroidvania and he used time powers to like you could you would make mistakes and you would be able to like reverse time about five seconds in the game and uh and and try again and it was like a cool mix of metroidvania with braid and uh, made for a very, very fun experience. Yeah. It sucks when it happens, but it happens We're just not going to have that now. Like, that's that's the end of that. Pack it up. They're done. They're not going to do more Riot Forge games. Shame. That's a real shame, because uh, I liked all that stuff. It was really interesting. Anyways, look for our show notes at GamingPodcast.net, along with industry news and our Gaming History articles. You can join Favex. Comments on our blog at GamingPodcast.net. Also, that's up at facebook.com slash gaming podcast. Uh, something's going on with iTunes and, and the podcast. I don't know what's going on, but if you can, subscribe to us on iTunes. Try and leave some iTunes comments. Um, we will see you next week. Happy gaming, everyone. Have fun. Be cool. Play games, y'all. <laughs>